Well, good morning. <laughs> good morning and welcome back to Alger Assembly of God. Welcome back to our series. It seems like it's been a while since we've been a part of this, but our series entitled, Why? We've looked at a couple of things already. We've looked at, why don't I always feel God? And we spent a number of weeks exploring, why doesn't God always answer my prayers? We spent a number of weeks looking at uh, some uh, possible uh, scriptural reasons as to why. Certainly we've mentioned one of the other topics, one of those other questions that many people are aware of, that many people ask is, why do bad things happen to good people? Now, a couple of weeks ago on Pentecost Sunday, this was the message that was about ready to be preached and proclaimed, and, and God had other things in mind, and, and it was powerful. God did some incredible things at the altar, and you know what? Just because it's, Pente it's not Pentecost Sunday doesn't mean that God can't move. So if you come ready, if you come anticipating, who knows what God might do today. In fact, I'm believing for healing today. I'm believing for baptism in the Holy Spirit today. I believe God wants to do something incredible, even though it's not Pentecost Sunday. All right. A few more of those, a little louder. Those will be great too. Amen. So we're... we're beginning kind of this study, it'll probably be a couple weeks, two, three weeks, to kind of work our way through this. The, the next why question is, why Pentecost? Why Pentecost? In the Old Testament, uh, we discover Pentecost was one of those Jewish feast days. Our English word Pentecost is the transliteration of the Greek word meaning 50. Jews called it the Feast of Harvest or Feast of Weeks. You would start with the celebration of first fruits, count off 50 days, and that 50th day, which was basically seven weeks plus a day, is the day of Pentecost. Pentecost Sunday is the celebration of the Holy Spirit's outpouring upon the early New Testament believers. So in the book of Acts, we read about, and we're going to get into some of those, those uh, scriptures today and in coming weeks as we read about Pentecost. Pentecost is, is not just delegated to a Sunday. You know, you've got all these different holidays all year. You can find all kinds of things, right? You can find like frozen yogurt day. You can find ice cream day, you know, national ice cream day and national chocolate chip cookie day. I mean, they've got a day for everything. This is not just, okay, let's, let's give it a day, let's give it a Sunday, Pentecost Sunday, because Pentecost happened in the book of Acts. So maybe some of you are wondering, why Pentecost? Why do we talk about Pentecost? Why is there a Pentecost Sunday? And, and what about uh, you know, the Assemblies of God being a Pentecostal movement or denomination? So we're going to be looking at this, this question, why Pentecost? First of all, here's something that might be helpful. There's a number of barriers that sometimes keep us from thinking about or seeking about Pentecost, baptism in the Holy Spirit. So I want to just kind of touch on a few of them, and they'll be up on the screen. You can kind of keep notes here. There's several of them. What are some of the barriers that keep people from seeking after God, from seeking after the Holy Spirit, from seeking this thing called Pentecost, First of all, maybe it's unhealthy 
models. Maybe you've seen or you've heard or in the course of your life, you've seen and heard people who are Pentecostal or churches who are Pentecostal and you're not quite sure what to think about. On the one hand, they might say they are Pentecostal, but it seems like nothing Pentecostal happens. So then we wonder about that. Then there's maybe the other extreme. Maybe over your years you've attended some or you've heard some of those stories, and in some of these churches, maybe it's a little extra emotional. Maybe there's a lot of whooping and hollering and screaming and dancing and jumping, and you're saying, whoa! What is this? This Is this Pentecost? And so maybe unhealthy models, maybe you've not quite been sure what to see or seek or anticipate. And in some cases, maybe you saw some things that you're a little wondering about, a little bit skeptical about. Are some of these things biblical? And so unhealthy models sometimes have taken place in our hearts and lives. Sometimes there's that almost immediate negative effect. If somebody has maybe been to a church or heard of a church that's Pentecostal and they heard, this is what happened there, the initial thought is, well, then I don't want that. So sometimes the reaction to Pentecost, the power of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, all that kind of is related to and tied into this thing called Pentecost, sometimes people say, oh, based on unhealthy models or based on some of the things they've seen and heard, I'm not sure about that. Secondly, maybe it's inaccurate teaching. When it comes to Pentecost, certainly there are are different churches, denominations, different movements. There are churches and denominations that would say that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is of the devil. And then if you are seeking this thing called the Holy Spirit and baptized in the Holy Spirit with the initial physical evidence of speaking in other tongues, you've got a devil in you. So sometimes there's some inaccurate teaching that is not biblical teaching that kind of gets people to think, I'm not so sure about this thing called Pentecost. Others might look to the Word of God and teach and preach and proclaim that the things of the Spirit, the the baptism in the Holy Spirit, spiritual gifts, they've ceased with the book of Acts. Now, I can't read anywhere in my Bible that Jesus or the apostles said there's an expiration date on it. But sometimes with some inaccurate biblical teaching, the thing is, people will teach and proclaim, that's good for them in Bible days, but this is 2000 and whatever, and it's not for today. I'm here to tell you that it is biblical. I'm here to tell you that it is in the Bible. It is in the book of Acts. And it's for the believer. It is for, man, it it is for today. So sometimes based on these, these ideas of unhealthy models or inaccurate teaching, many times people are hesitant or skeptical or questioning about the thing called Pentecost. There's a third one that 
I think, hits a lot. It's called lack of motivation. Lack of motivation gets us in a lot of things, doesn't it? Right? I mean, you name it, lack of motivation can be right up there. We want to do well and lose weight. Oh, lack of motivation. We want to bulk up and gain, gain some strength and go to the gym. Uh, lack of motivation. We want to get in shape and, and walk and get a little healthier. Uh, lack of motivation. I mean, lack of motivation hits us in so many areas. But also when it comes to the things of the Spirit, when it, when it comes to Pentecost, baptism of the Holy Spirit, seeking the gifts of the Spirit, many times there's a lack of motivation and it, it kind of comes out a little bit like this. Many people think that it's good, it's nice, what Pentecost is. It's nice to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and the initial physical evidence of speaking in other tongues. It's nice, but not necessary. It, it's kind of like an extra rather than an essential. So there's this lack of motivation that says, I'm good. I'm a Christian. I'm saved. I got that box checked. That's the one that gets me to heaven, right? Yes. In Scripture, does the Bible say you must be baptized in the Holy Spirit with the initial physical evidence of speaking in other tongues to get into heaven? It doesn't say that. It's salvation by grace through faith. That, that's what gets us saved and into heaven. So many people, they say, I'm a Christian, I'm saved, Whew. I'm good. I'll let some other people worry about the extras. And consequently, there are many who choose not to seek. Lack of motivation to seek after what God has for them in the power of the Holy Spirit. I mentioned before, last year heading to Tanzania and hearing they, they know everything about their churches and about their people right around 90%. That's a 9-0. 90% of everybody in their Assemblies of God churches in Tanzania are baptized in the Holy Spirit with initial physical evidence of speaking in other tongues. The closest that we can come when it, when it comes to statistics, uh, United States, Assemblies of God wide... I've heard figures of around 30%. And I would venture to say, personal opinion, that might be high. Lack of motivation. I'm good. I got saved. I'm a Christian. That's, that's extra, not essential. That's nice, not necessary. So why Pentecost? Why, why seek the things of the Spirit? Why seek what the Word of God has to say? Why seek what the book of Acts has to say? Many times it's because of unhealthy models we choose not to, because of inaccurate teaching we choose not to, or because of lack of motivation we choose not to seek what God has for us. And yet, 
this generation, we are fascinated by power and supernatural power. Right? Look around. Examine what is popular in today's culture and society. You can't go very far without seeing or hearing about superheroes. From Batman to Spider-Man to Superman to Hulk to Iron Man. The Avengers. I mean, they've all got their own movies and then you put them all together and then they got their all, you know, connected movies. There's 20-some superhero movies. People like to see about and hear about supernatural power. Over the last number of decades, the things such as the Twilight Saga, Harry Potter, all kinds of things that deal with or emphasize something about power or the supernatural power, it's, it's definitely been very popular. Understand... There is a reality beyond our material world. Understand, there is power at work in our midst. But God has a desire to fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit. We can be empowered by the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit. Not just on Pentecost Sunday. We didn't miss it. A couple weeks ago, we had, we had powerful services morning and evening. And, and it's not just, okay, hey, it's not Pentecost Sunday anymore, Pastor Mark, so <laughs> sorry about your luck. doesn't matter what Sunday it is. In fact, this will blow you away. It doesn't have to happen on a Sunday. The power of the Holy Spirit is more powerful than the day of the week. So turn with me in the book of Acts. So we begin Acts chapter 1. As we continue exploring why Pentecost. Acts 1 beginning in verse 1. He says in my former book Theophilus. I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit. To the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Why Pentecost? This morning, I want us to understand why. Because we are to wait on God's promise. Now, we like the word promise. We don't really like that word wait, right? I mean, when it comes to promises, everybody is excited. I mean, when our girls are little and, and you give them some kind of a promise about ice cream or about brownies, they remember, right? Oh, you know, well, next time we do such and such, we'll have to get ice cream. And a week later or two weeks later, we do such and such. And old mom and old dad, we kind of forgot about that promise. Guess who didn't? 
Autumn in Brooklyn. Hey, Mom. Hey, Dad. You said we'd get ice cream. The promise. They were waiting on a simple promise of ice cream. As they get older, maybe it's the, the promise of a, of a getaway, the promise of a vacation, the, the promise of something else. But they wait for that to come true. We like the promises. We like when somebody promises us something, uh, but we don't like to wait for it. We have trouble waiting. We put microwave, uh, popcorn in a microwave and then stare it down because that two and a half to three minutes is just way too long, right? You get in your car to, to go get something in the fast food lane and you grumble and complain because you wait an extra couple minutes. I mean, you name it, we struggle with it when it comes to waiting. But in Acts 1, what we see is Jesus said, wait for the gift that the Father has promised. It's the gift of God. It's the gift of the Heavenly Father. Jesus is telling his disciples, and he might as well be telling us, we are to wait for this gift. As much as we struggle, we are to wait. It wasn't something that just came automatically that he said, boom, it's going to be there. Wait for the gift. God has promised, but wait on it. Wait on God in faith. So Acts 1, Jesus is saying, wait for the gift. Wait for the promise. Let's back up a little bit. There's a few more scriptures here. Luke 24, 49, it says, I am going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. So Luke 24, that's Jesus saying that in advance, even before Acts chapter 1. Let's back up a little further to Luke eleven thirteen. He said, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Again, he's saying it comes from the Father. And you and I, we love to give good gifts to our kids. I mean, who doesn't? We want to bless them. We want to give good things. How much more, he said, will the Father in heaven desire to give the Holy Spirit? Back up a little further. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. It says, I baptize you with water for repentance. This is John the Baptist. After me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And backing up into the Old Testament in Joel chapter 2, verse 28. Afterwards, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see vision. It's a promise. He says, wait on the promise, the gift of the Father. That's Pentecost. 
So this, this idea about Pentecost and we talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the initial physical evidence of speaking in other tongues, speaking in other languages, there's a lot of uh, maybe confusion or misunderstandings about what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is. If we take a, just a few moments and talk a little bit about what it is and what it is not. Let's start about what it is not. First of all, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, it's not a status symbol. It's not a status symbol. We're not somehow extra, super-duper saved if we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. We're also not a second-class citizen if we're not. But sometimes the, 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 the thought is, by some people, well, it's kind of a status symbol. We, we look at status symbols of, of brands and, and brand names, whether it's clothing or vehicles or, or all kinds of different things, and we like brand names because it, it kind of carries a, a status symbol. Sometimes people think that way spiritually. Oh, so-and-so is baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, and they get kind of put on a different level. Oh, so-and-so isn't. It's not a status symbol. It's a gift of the Father to wait for. What is it not? It's not a substitute for spiritual growth. This isn't like the shortcut. That when we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, that we somehow do not need to ever read this book again or pray or go to church, or, or do any of those spiritual discipline growth type of things. It, it's not a substitute. We don't get baptized in the Holy Spirit and say, man, I am done. My life is good. I don't have to do anything anymore. It's not a substitute for growing continually, daily in Christ. We wait on the gift Receive it in faith and continue to grow. We continue to read God's word and, and hopefully explore more about what God has to say and to teach and pray. So it's not a status symbol. It's not a substitute. It's also not the same thing as the gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues in the church. Now, it seems and appears and, and maybe sounds very similar they're different roles, different purposes. As we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, initial physical evidence of speaking in other tongues, that is something that is personal. God is baptizing us and, and filling us with his Holy Spirit. That, that language is kind of a prayer language that we're able to pray in and connect and to communicate us with God. That's that personal us and God communication. In our corporate setting, in our church-wide setting, as, as we've experienced even today, other days, tongues and interpretation of tongues, it's done to build up, to edify, to encourage the body of Christ. So it's going to sound very similar because it is other languages, other tongues, but it is separate. 
The, gift, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that gift that we receive. The gift in, uh, of tongues and interpretation of tongues is for the body of Christ. So those are a handful of things of what it's not. I'll share a couple quick things of what it is. It's a second work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. What do we mean by that? The Bible is clear that when we come to Christ, it's the Holy Spirit who draws us. The Holy Spirit enters our life at salvation, lives within us. But the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a separate and distinct work of the Holy Spirit. What is it? It's a gift for all believers. Jesus said to wait for the gift of who? The gift that the Father has promised. Because it's a gift, can we earn it? Can we deserve it? Can we do enough good things to say, okay, I've earned it, now you have to give it to me. It's a gift. And so, for many people who seek and desire the baptism in the Holy Spirit, sometimes there can be a, a, a discouragement if maybe someone prays and seeks and they don't receive this gift. They, they're not baptized in the Holy Spirit. I say, well, why don't I have it yet? Well, I don't know. It's not up to me. It's a gift of the Father. But we're, we're human, right? You would never do this. These are people in other churches. But I've heard. Sometimes people compare. I mean, it happened in in youth camps and happens in churches. Multiple people praying and seeking to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Someone gets filled, someone doesn't. The person who doesn't looks to the one who did and say, well, how come they got it and I didn't? I don't know, it's not up to me. It's a gift of the Father. So it is a gift to be received. We seek him, we trust him, and believe that he desires to bless and to give that. So it's a second work of the Spirit. It's a gift to be received. It's a gift for believers. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is also a command, which is an interesting part. Jesus commanded and instructed his disciples to wait when we read this, he didn't say, you know, disciples, if you're not doing anything, maybe sort of think about hanging out and maybe something will happen. There was a specific instruction. I want you to stay. I want you to wait for the promise. Wait for the gift of God the Father. And I think... Sometimes we, we take it so lightly to say it's this extra, it's this something else that's nice that we, we don't seek it with an urgency. Jesus said, wait. Jesus said, seek. Wait for the gift of the Father. Now as we take a look briefly through the book of Acts, we talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit the initial physical evidence of speaking in other tongues, 
when, when it comes to Pentecost, to say, why Pentecost or why speaking in other tongues? Because as we look at the Word of God and as we look at the book of Acts, we see a pattern that's established. So very quickly, we, we don't have time to look at every single reference, so I'm going to give them to you and, and kind of whiz our way through. We get to have some time to spend with the Lord this morning. Five specific references in the book of Acts to the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Three out of those five are what we might call explicit. Not explicit as in, oh, explicit lyrics, unclean. No, explicit as in so specific you can't miss what it says. Three of the five are very specific that says when the baptism of the Holy Spirit came, there was speaking in other tongues. Acts chapter 2 is the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 10, the Gentiles at Cornelius' house. And Acts chapter 19 with the church at Ephesus. Three specific instances when the baptism of the Holy Spirit came, the result was speaking in other tongues, speaking in other languages. It was worded. It was phrased. It was specific. That's what we read. That's what we see exactly. Acts 2, Acts 10, Acts 19. The other two, we might say, are not explicit, but they are implicit. It's implied. First of all, Acts chapter 8 we see Simon the sorcerer. And he's, he's in the midst of magic and, and wizardry and sorcery. And he sees the apostles laying their hands on different individuals. And based on what he sees and experiences, Simon the sorcerer wants to do what? He offers money if they will tell him how to do what they're doing. So what's implied is it was something that was observable. It was something that was supernatural. What would that be? Baptism in the Holy Spirit with the initial physical evidence of speaking in other tongues. They're praying. They're laying hands on individuals. The Holy Spirit's coming upon them. They're speaking in languages that they don't know. He sees that. He's impressed. He says, whoa, I'll pay you money to teach me how to do that. Now, it does not specifically state that they spoke in tongues. It's implied that he observed it and wanted to buy. That's Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 9 is Paul's personal experience. Baptized in the Holy Spirit, his call of the Lord. In Acts chapter 9, it doesn't state that he spoke in other tongues, spoke in other languages. But in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, he teaches about and writes about baptism of the Holy Spirit, gifts of the Holy Spirit, and he talks about the fact that he speaks in tongues more than you all. So in Corinthians, he specifically mentions what has taken place in his life, although Acts did not specifically say it. There's Acts theology in about five minutes. We take a long time on that. Five instances, three of them are so specific that when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, they spoke in other languages, and the other two implied it. Why 
Why Pentecost? Why the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Why this initial physical evidence? Why is it speaking in other tongues? We say this way. Baptism in the Holy Spirit, initial physical evidence. First of all, initial. It's the first response, the first piece of evidence. It should not be the only one. The hint is this. If we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, if we're a Christian, baptized in the Holy Spirit, receiving this gift from God, that initial evidence is that we're speaking in other tongues. But there should be a whole lot of other things that follow. Fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. Those things ought to be in our life. We shouldn't be a, some Christian heathen who's been baptized in the Holy Spirit and acting incredibly sinful and like the devil. So that's the initial evidence. There should be other things that should illustrate that we're a Christian and that God's working in our lives. That's the initial evidence. Initial physical evidence. Physical meaning it's something that's observable. Sometimes when people are praying and they're seeking and, uh, you know, they're at the altar, we say, hey, you know, were you baptized in the Holy Spirit? They say, well, yeah, yeah, I think I was. And you say, well, why? Why? Well, I, I kind of felt goosebumps. Hate to burst your bubble, but the initial physical evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit is not goosebumps. Goosebumps can come in, in all kinds of ways and services, and, and there's all kinds of things that goose, we, we feel the goosebumps. Goosebumps are not necessarily physically observable and explainable. What is observable, what is explainable? Speaking in a language, speaking in a tongue that you don't know. I took Spanish in high school. I still remember parts of that. But when baptized in the Holy Spirit, I don't speak in Spanish. When I pray in the, the prayer language, it's not in Spanish. I don't know exactly what that is, but that's from God. It's, it's an observable, physical proof. So initial and physical, lastly, evidence. It's, that's the proof. That's the result that says, Here's how you know. Baptism in the Holy Spirit, initial physical evidence, speaking in other tongues. Why Pentecost? Why seek after this gift? Because we're instructed and commanded to wait on the gift, the promise of the Father. He's got good gifts. He blesses in our lives. He heals. He strengthens. He forgives. And for the believer, for the Christian, he's got this gift of the Holy Spirit. And the initial and physical evidence of that is speaking in other languages, speaking in other tongues. It's observable that the Holy Spirit has come upon us in such a way. Why Pentecost? Because we are to wait on God's promise.